Hi, it's John Ross Bowie from Netflix's Feel Good. You are listening to Spoiler Country. Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But... If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. If you're speechless at the Big Bang, you're not alone. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Ken Gregan. That is the Universal Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's John Ross Bowie, isn't it? It is, man. He plays Kripke on the show, and uh, he's a hilarious character, man. Yeah, some of the most classic episodes involve Bowie Kripke. And yep. And I, he's funny because he speaks with the speech impediment and John's yeah. going to talk about John Ross, not this John, but the other John, he's going to talk not about me. how that came about in the interview. And it's, and it's pretty funny. I'll give you a heads up. He was supposed to be trying to do a liquid L like Tom Brokaw used to do. And okay. when he opened his mouth, Kripke came out. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So they kept it. And what's even more funny for me is I had that speech impediment when I was a little kid. Yeah. I sounded just like Barry Kripke. And I had to go through <laughs> speech therapy, the whole nine yards. And we talk about that. We had, a, this was a lot of fun. And uh, he's very, he's an everyday guy. He's an everyday man. You know, you know what I mean? And we have, uh, we talk about a lot of stuff and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. At the very beginning, he's going to correct me on how I say his name, right? Because I nice. said John Ross Bowie, right? Which I thought, which is what I would thought I would have thought too. Yeah, he goes, no, it's it's it's. I'm going to correct you. He goes, I never do this, but if we're going to be here for a while, it's it's Bowie. And I thought he was fucking with me, like because <laughs> of Barry Kripke. You know what I mean? Right. So when you hear right. me laughing when he says it, I, I was like, that's hilarious. Da, 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 da. And I quickly realized, oh, no, he's serious. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, man. And it's funny. He said he talked to me. And he uh, he listens to our WandaVision episodes, right? Yeah. He's a fan of the show, which is awesome. So I'm sure he'll hear this. Which is hilarious because I want to point out that in the last episode, <laughs> Casey literally said he doesn't like the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I know, which I don't understand. I told Casey, I said, well, who didn't hug you? Right. Like, to me, it's like, I don't know. I can get some people that could get, like, my mom would not be a fan of the show. Right, right. They talk about sex too much. They're too way too liberal about a lot of things. But honestly, the argument that Casey has is bullshit. It's like, 
Right. What are you talking about? It was just the same old trope. Not really. I mean, no, it's a, no, it's a thirty minute sitcom, so they all have right. a lot of similar tropes. Yeah. But you can't be on for twelve years and be the same old same old. Right. Right. And when people like to bitch about you know, it's like it's like the it's like the dumb person, smart person show, or whatever. But it's like, yeah. so what? Yeah. It, they're not. Gonna, it's not going to sit there and do like actual one hundred percent science all the time. It's going to you know, for scientists. It's it's a sitcom show for the everyday person. It's you should be. We should be happy that there that there was a show on TV for twelve years that touched on science and pop culture and comic books smart. and and comic, Yeah, they were talking about so comic what? books before it was the nerdy cool thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I like the show. I think it's hilarious. I so. love it. It's. I I told him it's one of my go to shows when I'm sick. Yeah, it's that one. Yeah. Big Bang, uh, the IT Crowd, and Trailer Park Boys. Oh, I love the IT Crowd too. Those are my three. It, and you know, and Barry Kripke, it literally is one of the greatest antagonists in sitcom history because he's just yeah. so funny. And he talks about some of the lines that he got to actually come up with. And he nice. does say one of the best lines ever uttered by a nerd, which is when I think it's Leonard tells him, "Well, he's or maybe it's maybe it's Wallowitz says he's you know it's it's over a girl and and he's he's a nerd and he's like we're all nerds and can't get girls, <laughs> yeah, and it's just <laughs> it's kinda... I don't know it's 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 awesome I. I was really, really happy to get to sit down and, and chat with him. Yeah. And literally, I could have sat. We could have talked to each other for like hours, you know. Nice. And at the end nice. of the episode, you know, he was like, "Wow, that was that was awesome." And I was like, "I'm just glad you had a good time." And he's like, "Yeah, it was great." So, Let's do it know, again. Why don't we just get into this? Welcome back to the show. Today, it's super exciting because if you're like me and and John, Big Bang Theory is my go-to when I'm sick. It's Big Bang Theory, the IT crowd, and Trailer Park Boys. So if I'm sick and in bed, those are the three shows I'm watching. And Good all I'm going to say is Barry Kripke is one of the funniest antagonists on a, on, a, on, a, on a show like this. So I really, really appreciate it. John Ross Bowie. Thank you so much. I don't know why you're here. You must want to kill your career for coming on Spoiler Country, but we appreciate it. <laughs> that was the idea. Yeah, I'm just going to really give this one a Viking funeral. Let me start by, uh, since it's going to be a whole hour or so, I actually pronounce it Bowie. Oh, Bowie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep this in. Don't edit this. Don't like go back and redo it. But just keep this keep in this moment. I hardly ever correct anyone anymore, but uh-huh. I just feel like we're gonna be talking for a while. And yeah. I actually the 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 it's funny, we're we're gonna talk about my my recent trip to the UK. When I, I go to the UK, they say Bowie right out of the gate oh, for whatever nice. reason here in the state. It's, yeah, it's great. It's phenomenal. For reason, for whatever reason, here in the states, it's it's Bowie, or if I'm in the uh, sort of the southeast or Texas, it's Bowie. But That's my Bowie. father and his father, the Bowie's going back to Scotland, said Bowie. So there you go. I don't know. Take that under advisement. I guess uh, my last name is Regan, and as soon as Ronald Reagan became president, no one could pronounce our last name. It was always Reagan. Oh, right. Yeah. But you spell it R E G A N, right? No, just R E G A N. So Reagan is R E A. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. You spell it Regan. Yeah. That's that's Regan. I yeah. see that. I see that's Regan. Yeah, yeah. So I always have to go right. into the whole put diatribe. There. Is, you put it a rogue A and it's Reagan. That right. just makes sense. Though yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I'm it's like I have to go into diatribe too. Is well, how do you how do you spell reverb and reject? 
exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's not Ray Jack. <laughs> so, man, you have, you're going to be on Feel Good, which is the May Martin show on Netflix right now. Season one finished up. Season two starts here. We're going to say late spring, early summer. I yeah. think that's fair to say. And yeah, you're in. How how was the experience? What was it like working for Netflix? It's it was great. I've done other things for Netflix. I was on a show called Love with with Paul Rust and, and Gillian Jacobs, which oh, was I really love that neat. show. Um, yeah, it's great, right? Yeah, it was it's really, really good. I was really bummed that canceled. Art show, and this is a similar. Um, this actually has a similar vibe in the sense of it's just this very thoughtful, but very funny grounded comedy i went from not knowing who may martin was yeah to a sudden rabid fan to maybe even one of her friends now it's been pretty it's been a real roller coaster relationship but we i auditioned over zoom yeah. i auditioned just like this yeah with her and her writing partner and one of the producers and we hit it off wonderfully. That's cool. And then we went for this wonderful, once I got over to the UK, because they they shoot it in the UK. Once I got over there, we went on this long walk along the Thames, you know, keeping our, and obviously, because this was October, this was height of COVID. Everything was locked down. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh my God, how was London? And London was, it might as well have been Hartford. There was nothing going on at all. It was just, <laughs> the architecture was absolutely beautiful, but you couldn't go indoors anywhere. Right. So we walked around, we just really hit it off, really had a nice time. And she's done something kind of strikingly awesome in the way she has created a fresh take on the let's build a let's build a sitcom around this stand-up genre, which you know, which which goes back to you know, God, there's an argument that that it goes back to I Love Lucy. It feels really fresh and innovative the way she's there's a lot of interesting things to talk about sexuality and intimacy and commitment and it got kind of lost in the shuffle last year in the States because Netflix released it on the same day as Tiger King. Oh man. And America was just Just uh, right over it. uh, Yeah. uh, Which is a shame, but I think it's, it's getting, it's getting it's due finally. And people are, are, are late to the party, but are enjoying it. Yeah. And you know, this is, scientific study but when i announced that i i'd got to i'd gotten to do the uh, the series a bunch of my friends on on instagram were like oh that's fantastic i love that show and she's so funny. she's so talented she's so charismatic so yeah i think i think i'm hoping that season two will do really good things for her because she's a huge talent yeah and it's really it season two goes to some really interesting places you know the funny thing about that show is that it's funny in a real world way you know, nothing is like over the top where you're like, oh, that would never happen. No, it's like, oh, I feel I've I've felt exactly how she's feeling right now. You know, it is really remarkable how it manages to have a warmth and a kindness and a groundedness and still be laugh out loud funny. Yeah. I actually, it reminds me sort of uh, my, my other big favorite from this past year was Ted Lasso, which I have, I have nothing to do with. I'm just a fan. But in terms of a aside from once you get over the big jump of this American football coach going over to, to coach their football, once you right. get over that rather big suspension of disbelief, everything else feels firmly rooted in our world. Right. And and warm and hilariously funny and and smart. So yeah, it's been it's been it's been pretty neat. It's That's been cool. pretty neat being involved with that. So when you're over there in the UK shooting, everything was locked down. So 
that must have been such an odd experience. Like you guys are you're well, working, it, but it was. We I've gotten to work in London a couple times, and and I love it over there. I really I really dig it, and I usually spend my time when I'm not working. You know, I'll blow it out and I'll go to the theater, which is cool. really affordable and accessible over there. And and there's tons of great stuff, and there's so many great museums, and there's so much history. And what I did this time was I would just. I would just Postmates Indian food and sit in my <laughs> hotel and watch British TV. And I discovered this show that I'm evangelizing about that is not streaming here in the States yet, but it's called Portrait Artist of the Year. Oh my and it's just that. It's a reality competition about portrait painters who, and the winner <laughs> of each series gets to paint an athlete I have never heard of for a, a portrait that will hang in a museum i have never heard of and oh that's it that's the big prize and and the stakes could oh. not be lower so so mind <laughs> you i'm over there in i'm over there in like it was actually november when i was over there because they were we were figuring out the election here super right. stressful time the whole world is watching us sort through our shit right and <laughs> shit show <laughs> she just amused with us and i switch over to sky arts and they're showing this wonderful show it's hosted by steven mangan from episodes uh-huh. and it's the most relaxing hour of piercing paints and oh. and figuring out how to capture the the shadows under people's eyes and it could not be more low-key it makes the great british baking it. show look like an episode of 24 it's so chill <laughs> i i i i, I it cannot stream here fast enough. People think I'm crazy. It is such a great show. Oh. If you have any way to pirate it, <laughs> go ahead and do so. <laughs> because I really I wonder if you can uh, get onto it. the BBC st- uh, app, streaming app. Uh, you can't because it's it's technically it's Sky Arts, it's uh. Uh, which is a which is privately owned. BBC is public. And the Sky app, we don't have the Sky Arts in our any of our stores. Yeah. There's got to be a way. I'm sure if you're really diligent, you can find a way to stream it here in the state. But right. Portrait artist. Uh, Portrait Artist of the Year is shit. Portrait I Artist of the Year. Show. I want to watch it. I like there's a, there's a, something on Netflix that's, that's being transferred over from England. And it's like this guy that has a warehouse or like a big ass barn on his property. And people just show up and he's, and he's got a crew of people. And they're like, I got this old telescope that is on the side of a sh- of the sea where people could put the quarter in. Look, and we're hoping, you know, it's from the 1930s. And we're hoping you can fix it. And he's got like a group of guys that come out and they do it. And they have all the, one guy brought a cane that his, that his grandfather back brought back from India from when the British still ruled India. And it had a little monkey's head and you hit the button and the ears flared out and the mouth opened up and down and he wanted to get that fixed. And they, you know, and it's on Netflix right now. I can't remember the name of it, but it's so good. It's so funny. Oh my God. I mean, it's not funny, but it's just so relaxing. It's on the same way. Give me something to sit and just veg out on. I love it. Yeah, I mean, these are trying times right now. I don't necessarily need to be on the edge of my seat. I need yeah. to be uh, in the middle of my bed. <laughs> <laughs> when you're not working, what what is John Bowie up to? These days? Yeah. Hey, a little this, a little that. <laughs> a little this, a little that. I'm doing, honestly, I'm doing like all like the, the I'm doing a lot of the the pandemic hobbies. Like I've been playing a lot more guitar. I've been nice. making bread. I've been hanging out with my kids. I'm cooking a lot more, which has actually been a little bit nice. My wife yeah. is writing on a new ABC show called Rebel. Cool. Um, with Katie Segal and Andy Garcia, which has been great, but she's been really big at that. She's on set right now wearing, you know, 
you know, six masks, face shield, giving muffled notes to, to Peg Bundy. But in the, so I've been sort of when I'm not working, because I've been doing I, I did feel good. And I've been working on this show called uh, Generation for HBO Max, yeah. which is going to come out that I can say firmly comes out on March 11th. Cool, cool. Which has been great. But when I'm not working on those, I'm just sort of house husbanding, which yeah. has been kind of cool. You know, I, I had three years of fairly steady work with Speechless and, and the end of Big Bang. Yeah. So I'm actually, and this is not just me trying to put a happy face on a on a, the twilight of a career. <laughs> I, it's been really <laughs> genuinely nice to, to be home more and just hang out with the kids and, and sort of cooking with them a little yeah. bit. And, you know, it's it's been really hard for them. My kids are 13 and 11, and this should be like a real social butterfly time for them. And it isn't, which has been, which has been tough, but my son's teaching me to kick ass in Fortnite. My daughter started playing bass guitar so we can hear her sometimes in the other room working on stuff. So that's exciting. How'd you get into the bass guitar? I always found that. Really? Usually people like evolve to it. To pick up. Yeah. Like I want no, to play guitar and then it's, I want to play up. drums and then it's okay. Well, bass. I mean, <laughs> if she's anything like me, she recognizes it. She recognizes it as the shortest route to getting into it, which it is, you know, how can I be in a band, but not have to learn chords? I have just the thing, you know? So she's, she's into that goblin. She shares her father's intuition, but it's been fun. Yeah. She's in there trying and she's got really random taste too. Like yeah. there's a lot of Beatles. That's there cool. and then there's a lot of newer stuff that I'm I'm just getting familiar with. So it's been it's been kind of kind of fun watching them make the best of their ample amounts of free time. Dude, I I gotta tell you, speaking of music, I didn't know that you played guitar and was able to to sing and do all that until I saw you in Speechless playing Jimmy DeMaio. And <laughs> I'm I'm really kind of bummed that they that show's canceled. That I Mini Driver was fantastic. The kids were amazing. I thought that show showed that you could lead a comedy show, a sitcom with Mini Driver. And and Mini, I thought Mini was amazing. I mean, I loved her since I ran a video store in the 90s. And so okay. when Circle of Friends came out, that was a, a, okay. a sleeper hit, like a cult sleeper hit. Yeah, yeah. And, and and then when you saw her do other movies, I'm like, oh, that's Minnie Driver from Circle of Friends. That's how I always see her still to this day. Sure. And so to see her do sure. Speechless... And just to see how much she's, how well her comedic timing is, was was awesome, and so much fun. And you guys played so she's well together. Really, she's a really gifted clown. Yeah, she really is. The I had played her boss on a couple of episodes of About a Boy, so I came in knowing a little bit about her skill set in that regard. And of course, she'd always been kind of broadly funny on Will and Grace, right? Where she really got to kind of be goofier than usual, stretch those um, chops. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not, I was not a, a video store employee in the 90s, but right. I, I was a frequent video store customer. <laughs> and it is not lost on me, like how crazy it was that I had excellent, excellent comic chemistry with the chick from Goodwill Hunting. Don't right. think that like I'm so jaded in my career that I was not really <laughs> pleasantly surprised that, that me and is it Skylar? Is that the character's name in, in Goodwill Hunting? Yeah, I think yeah. so. That we just hit it off and like it just made sense on camera. Yeah. But both uh, her son is between the ages of my kids. Henry is 12 and my kids are 13 and 11. Right. And it's right there. We'd had a few play dates and we had a few hang times. And I think we had very similar parenting philosophies. Yeah. And the whole cast was great. I mean, Mason 
Jason, Micah, and Kyla. Cedric is a gift. You know, it's I have I have had a lot of people bemoan the canceling of that show, and obviously yeah. I was super bummed. But to do sixty three episodes of a really smart, funny show on a network, yeah, is no easy feat nowadays. So I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know light a candle rather than curse the darkness. Yeah. I'm really sense. proud of the work we did. And there was the day thing I was when I was in London, it's still round the clock on on E4 over there. And you can occasionally get yourself a, a horrific John Bowie double feature because sometimes it follows one of my big bangs. <laughs> that is um, awesome. so you can get like more Bowie than you could possibly ever want. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, from like 10 a.m. on E4 in the UK, which was striking. <laughs> that's hilarious. When you worked on yeah. that, you worked with John Cleese. What was that like? One of the greatest comedic oh actors God. of all time. If I'm looking I down mean, and you see me looking down, I apologize. Is that my camera's up, but you're down? <laughs> no, I figured. I figured it was something. Like okay, that. I figured it was. I'm not, I'm not the least bit offended. <laughs> Good. I just don't want you go. Uh, Look at this guy. He's not even paying attention to what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, not a visual medium, so I wasn't going to comment on it, but knock yourself out. You know, <laughs> draw, draw attention to it if you must. Oh, this is so weird. It went out of focus, or I went out of focus. One of them went out of focus for a moment. Oh, that might have been. Anyway, was a dream. Was he really? He was That's really, awesome. he really was. You know, I'd heard, I'd heard like he'd be a little cantankerous. And, you know, he said some things politically over the years that I don't jibe with. But right. if you're going to, you know, say things that I, I, disagree with politically the least you can do is be a complete icon otherwise and he was and <laughs> he was playful game and he liked the script nice. and he, he said a couple of nice things to me and i i have there's one i don't i think i don't think we were actually shooting unfortunately i think it was just during a rehearsal where i cracked him up so i don't think there's actual footage of him of minking john cleese break right but i have it in my heart and i remember what it looks like right and it was a it was a real career peak for me what's interesting about Cleese specifically in in how it relates to to speechless yeah is there's an amazing quote from Cleese about python and i, I was absolutely one of those like Quoting one of it. those gen x white kids who could actually quote holy grail and life of brian backwards right. and you forwards. can't count to five and, without know, doing not, the whole it is three it is not absolutely. four Absolutely. Three should be the number of the counting. And there's absolutely, it's it's not my sexiest quality by a, a damn night. But so I'm, I'm hugely familiar with his, his oeuvre. The first time I visited my, my now wife in her apartment, she had a fish called Wanda poster up in her oh, apartment. I, I was like, I got to make it work with this woman. Yeah. I have to make it work with this woman. But he's something amazing in an interview years ago that I've taken to part is when we started Monty Python, we thought comedy was watching people do funny things. And yeah. then the second season, we realized that watching comedy, but comedy is watching people watch people do funny things. Right, right. And you take that and you look at that in the larger, the larger context of his work. And that makes the it makes you realize that the famous Black Knight sequence in Holy Grail is just as much on Graham Chapman's shoulders as it is on Cleese right. playing the guy who is clearly losing a sword fight but refuses to give up. But it's Chapman is us. Chapman is the voice of reason saying, you've your arms off. And, and the moment of Terry Jones being really uncomfortable that Eric Idle is asking him all these personal questions about what sex is like right. and uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You know, all of these all of these sketches rely on a crazy person and a voice of reason. And I, I had taken 
taken that to heart while doing Speechless, because so much of Speechless was me being surrounded by wackiness right. and sort of my foot on the ground being the straight man, being the the audience's proxy. Right. So, I mean, I'm not just a fan of Cleese. He has shaped my worldview and how I approach what I do for a living. It was that must have been so amazing. Pretty, pretty seismic. That's awesome. You know, my favorite scene in all of Speechless is the scene where you guys refuse to clean up the yard and you go and you meet the neighbor for the first time. And then you tell your daughter basically for no uncertain terms. Cause I can't remember the exact quotes is you're the assholes of the neighborhood. You're not going to do the, you know, you, oh, we're, we're not jerks. We're idiots. Yeah. Oh, that, that was my, that was when the show really started. That's I think only our second or third episode. Yeah. And that's when the show made a very loud sounding click for me. That's when I was really like, Oh, <laughs> I see what we're doing here because the neighbor gets annoyed with us yep. for not cleaning up our yard, and she lashes out at him by ordering like a bunch of prank pizzas, pizzas uh, for him. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's not what we do. That's a jerk move. We're idiots. Be careful. And it's a, it was a, it was sort of the show leading with its governing philosophy. <laughs> right. Right. It kind of like set the I, tone really for the rest of the series, life. right? It really did. And I had to give a speech at one point. It was my first big speech on the show where I, I lay down the whole deal about, we had a snake when we moved in. We don't know where it is now. If we receive your packages, they will become our packages. <laughs> <laughs> laying down the rules of what it's going to mean to be a DeMeo. Uh, a neighbor. neighbor of the DeMeos. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and Kyle is so good in that episode. Ugh. I don't know if you're watching Mr. Mayor. He's killing it on oh, that. Oh, she's right great now. as the mayor's daughter. As the mayor's daughter. Yeah. yeah. She's killing it. She, she is an oh. enormous, enormous talent. I'm a huge fan, but like anytime I got to work with her was a delight. And that was our first time kind of having scenes one-on-one and yeah, she was really, really fun to work with. How, so how much joy or maybe how much frustration and how much, like learning and being able to build how you kind of incorporate yourself into the acting career. Does the upright citizens brigade give to you a lot? And it's funny. I was just talking about this with my wife yeah. yesterday. Nailed it. Cause that's how we, that's how we met. Yeah. Nice question. Well-timed. Well -timed. We did not do a pre-interview. There's that's no right. way you could have known that. Listener at home. I, this I just, is a happy actor. I, I, I got my bat right here. I'm just, just trying to hit him. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I met my wife at the Upright Citizens Brigade where we That's were awesome. taking improv classes and it has changed everything. I mean, it changed my 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 life in a very tactile way in that I made me decide I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. And it was becoming the hot comedy place in the late 90s and, and casting directors and agents were coming to see. And that's how I got my first commercial agent. Yeah. And that led to some very tangible benchmarks in in this thing that I'm I'm gonna uh, straight facedly call a career. <laughs> but it also it 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 led to something else in terms of, you know, you do so much work for free at a place like that. Yeah. And because they, they don't and there's some controversy about this that I'm not gonna touch, but yeah. we were never paid, but we got free stage time in a city where free stage time is not easy to come by. Right. So we take these classes or we would intern to pay for these classes and then we'd get up there and we would do our thing. And it made you, it's a cliche to say it, but it made you part of an organism, part of an organization that where you had to rely on each other. You had to have right. each other's backs on stage and it made you, it, it ideally, it took away your sense of entitlement 
and it made you a little less precious about things sometimes. So, you know, you're not as, you know, you've got this one joke and you're really, really proud of it. And someone shoots it down and you're like, okay, we got to go on to the next one. Right. All right. You know, creativity is a renewable resource. Let's keep going. Right. So I, I think if I'm, I, I think if I'm not an asshole on set and I, I really try not to be, I'm, I'm, I've got a pretty decent reputation. I think a lot of that comes from UCB and that sense of camaraderie that we built yeah. coming up with guys like Rob Forgery and Jamie Danbo and Donna Furman and Danielle Schneider and Rob Hubel, Paul Shear, all those guys who were in and around okay. my generation and who've all gone on to, Great. you know, not had day jobs, yeah. you know, to evolve, who've gone on to not to consistently qualify for insurance, which is, I think is a phenomenal <laughs> benchmark in this business that are, you know, I've got, I've got the SAG health plan for 19 years Ching. running. I win. Yeah. I'm going to go to the dentist just for kicks, but it really, it, it helped my, my whole philosophy around this business. And I think it has made me just very grateful and, and really appreciative yeah. But also if you know, if a joke isn't working, I, I'm not the person to run up to the writers and go, oh, this isn't working. Fix it. I'm the person to go up to the writers and go, hey, let's work on this thing. Yeah. I have a couple of ideas. Let's hear yours. Perhaps we can come around to something here. There was an example one time where we were, it was super late at night. And I don't know if you remember, we had a running gag on the show where we had a, a bunch of things written on the wall that were dead to Maya. Yeah. Things that Maya simply did not like. Right. And they were up there for the entire run of the series. They went on in like episode five and they just stayed up there <laughs> for the entire run, which was uh, one of my favorite things. Yeah. And we would add and take things away and scratch things off. But there was one thing where they put one of the writers put ska. Maya hates ska. <laughs> and Minnie goes, here's the problem. I'm in my 40s. I'm from Britain. We all love ska. <laughs> <laughs> It becomes an entire extra story if this British woman who was born in the 70s doesn't love madness, doesn't love right. the specials, doesn't love Bush Beat. That's a complete outlier. And oh we, we, we didn't like just throw it out. We were like, okay, how do we fix this? How? And I, I, I think I was actually me who pitched it. I was like, how about 90s ska? What if we make it like you, you like the stuff that you grew up with, but once it got kind of went pop and the boss tones came in and there was sort of a weird pop punk influence, maybe right. that's it. Fish and the bone. joke ends up <laughs> with her going 90 ska and Cedric goes, what did 90 ska ever do to you? And she goes, ruin the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the, the point of that incredibly long story is just that, you know, it makes you a collaborator. It yeah. makes you a fixer before you're a complainer. Yeah. And it was really, and that's absolutely UCB coursing through my veins when, when moments like that come up. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you went to Ithaca college, right? I did. And, and your parents are, you're lucky enough to be able to go to college and you come home and you tell your parents, I'm going to do the upright citizen brigade and I'm going to be an actor. What's oh, it's so much worse than that. Oh, dude, it's so much worse oh, than that. I got to know. So what, what, how, what was their reaction? I, what, I did first, what I did first was I led them on for a year. I came back from college <laughs> with a degree in English and education. Okay. So you're going to be a teacher I mean, in their mind. Yeah. I, I went back and I got a 
job at my old high school teaching. <laughs> and I mean, that's like, you know, hi, don't mind me, guys. I know that costs a lot of money, but I'm about to go into the noblest profession. This that sounds exists. like a sitcom. And here's why it's even more of a sitcom because of the way they tr- they pay New York teachers. I lived with my mom for that year. So <laughs> I, I, I'm living with my mom going back to my old high school, but this time I'm teaching instead of yeah. a student there. Um, I do that for one academic year and it breaks me like a twig. <laughs> it just <laughs> absolutely <laughs> cracks my spirit into. I am not cut out for that job, at least not at that age. I right. was 22. That means there's very boyish kids that were in junior high, middle school that were going to school while you were like a senior and now That's you're right. teaching them. Huh? That's correct. <laughs> one kid was like, Hey, I was in your gym class when you were a senior. I'm like, okay, that means you've been here for six years. Don't brag about that. But yes, it is true. I remember you in my gym oh, class. Oh, that is awesome. So that was a, a mess. So then, so then I go, okay, I got to quit teaching. Yeah. I'm not, I'm way too young for this job. I look like a senior in a tie. The kids are actively mean to me. I have to, I ha- I'm only five foot eight. I am not equipped for this right now. So then I, I, oh God, I move out awesome. at least, but I start a punk rock band. Yeah. And uh, punk rock band puts out its own records and there's no parent in the world. I don't care if you're Billy Joe Armstrong, nobody, nobody's parent is like, excellent. My son plays bass in a punk band. And then the <laughs> punk band breaks up. And then meanwhile, I have one cousin who is starting pre-law at Holy Cross when this is going on. Oh, and uh, great. I Golden child. Go, okay, my punk band is broken up. I'm going to start taking improv classes and we'll see where that takes us. So I really... Bless my parents' heart. They're both gone now. Um, yeah. But they really, I took them on a real roller coaster in my 20s and was able to pay them back That's for amazing. untold amount of loans. Yeah. And it all worked out. And they got to see me make a decent living and, and support a family. So it, it all came out in the wash. But I really, I took them on quite the emotional roller coaster throughout my 20s. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Did they, and they saw you on like the Big Bang? Because that was, was, do you consider Big Bang your big breakout? I consider I, the short answer is yes. I, I think that doing a show with a reputation as large and as sprawling as Big Bang yeah. has definitely opened doors that were not open beforehand. But but there's an argument to be made that the very first sitcom I ever booked, which was a show that nobody remembers called AUSA from 2003, yeah, you know that was a break. Right. Uh, there were there were little things along the way that like helped me, you know, rung by rung. But Big Bane was a big shift. And then Speechless was a really big shift. Yeah. And there definitely felt like a a way you put it in very stark video game terms, because I know what podcast I'm on. Right. Uh, it, it, it felt like <laughs> definite level up. You know, it's like that moment where you, you know, like you, you turn yeah. the corner and the game auto saves and you've got a couple new weapons and you know your outfits get a little fancier that's kind of what speechless felt like you know and i'm not you know i'm not cruising around in a a tesla or anything but it's it's definitely opened up some some more doors Uh, well i would Um, imagine that you had more say of how you wanted your character to be to be in speechless than you would have in big bang yeah yeah. i definitely did big bang i i came onto that show about a year and a half into its run and anytime you do guest work it feels very much like you're hopping onto a moving train right and if you want to view me as a hobo to to extend that metaphor you're welcome to do so there's a real (laughs) sense of um, this thing knows what it's doing this is a finely oiled machine i'm just gonna like hop on and try not to fall off that's gonna be the title of the show john ross bowie professional (laughs) hobo (laughs) yeah 
Well, it really, it, it really, so much of guest work is that, you know, so much of, of guest work is just, everyone knows each other. You go in and yeah. you just try to try to, you know, find your footing. But fortunately everyone on, on big bang. And I've said this before, and it's going to sound a little canned, but it's true. That cast was made up of people who had either been at it for a really long time right. and recognized that jobs were rare to come by like Galecki and yeah. Kaylee and everybody else was on their first big break. And then they brought in Mayim who had taken like 10 years off to get her advanced degrees and was coming back to acting right. for health insurance. So everyone in that show, either everyone on that show recognized what rare air they were breathing. Right. That's cool. And were very appreciative. And a lot of them had done a lot of work beforehand. Like Simon had done, had a bunch of recurrings in different places. And Jim had like popped in on like a, a, a judging Amy and here and there, but he had never been a series regular before. Right. So they kind of understood what I was going through hopping on as this very brash, big character. So they were super welcoming and they're, they're good folks. I owe Galecki a call. Actually, this reminds me, I should call Galecki. Nice. I said I was going to about a week ago and I should call him. Yeah. T- tell him I said, Fine hello. Young man. I'm, I'm sure he'll remember me. I met him. I have to go. When he had you, when you read the script and they said, you got to do the speech impediment, what was your first reaction? Um, my first reaction was, was it was not actually in the script. Well, it was something that was sprung on me at the audition. The character as written was just this alpha nerd bully. Yeah, um, super bully. And, and I came in and played him as such with just sort of this sort of crotch first posture. Uh, and this guy <laughs> with this completely undue sense of confidence. Yeah. And I think they rather wisely suggested that he have some sort of vulnerability and this all happened in front of me. This was Chuck Lorre and I, and Bill Prady and maybe Lee Aronson just sitting on a couch in front of me going, he should have some sort of vulnerability, maybe a speech impediment. Bill Prady suggests, oh, maybe something like what Tom Brokaw has, that kind of liquid L. Yeah. And I, you know, ever the eager to please actor was like, yeah, absolutely. I can do that. It's sort of a subtle liquid L. You got totally it. Did. And instead, you know, this Elmer Fudd things comes out. <laughs> and I, I, I got the job that night. I went to work the following morning. You know, I, I laugh it so was, hard because uh, was, I had that speech impediment when I was a little kid, when I was in, really? yeah, when I was in elementary school, they actually sent me to speech classes just to work on my and your R's. last name is Regan. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, your yeah. last name is Regan. That's yeah. right. my first name is Ken Rick. So Ken Rick Regan, it was terrible. Yeah. And I had to do wow. speech impediment classes and I'll never forget this, mm-hmm. this late. She's probably a wonderful human being. <laughs> Let's just preface it by that. <laughs> Because she's However, she's doing the Lord's work when you think about that she's dealing with kids that have you know impediments and she's got to try to get this fourth grader wrangled in and yeah I was not picking up the R's she finally one day just completely lost it on me and said if you don't learn these you be able to speak correctly and enunciate and say these R's in a way that people understand what you're saying you will amount to nothing in your life. And I, oh yeah, I started bawling. I went home. I told my mom, she pulled me out of that, out of that, like right away. And then, but you know what? It was a catalyst because instantly, like within a month or two later, my R's were perfect. (laughs) That's so interesting. You know, what's, what's funny is considering how long I, I, you know, 11 years of showing up on that show two or three times a year, I got very little pushback about that character because there's an argument to be made that he is, you know, a lot of the jokes came from his inability to pronounce words, but 
But I think what helped it is that despite that, he's never a victim. Well, that's exactly right. Even when they made fun of it and the fact that he flips it on Sheldon, are you making fun of my, my, my speech? And then, and then is able to push that into Sheldon's face. I I mean, you, you were never a victim. And I think that makes a huge, huge difference. I think that was what, what did it. And I think that's what, uh, and I think that also translated philosophically over to speechless too. And by the fact that they made, instead of making JJ this like perfect little kid who happens to have CP, JJ could be kind of a dick sometimes. Oh yeah, I loved it. And there's a great episode where they find out he's just coasting through his classes because nobody has the nerve to fail him. <laughs> and which was one of that's one of my favorite episodes. I I, I don't even remember what I do in that episode, but that whole arc yeah. of all of these teachers who were like, "Do not, no one wants to fail the kid who uses a wheelchair," right. which I thought was endlessly raw and funny. But yeah, I think the reason that I would get fan mail from speech pathologists, which was baffling to me. That is. But no one ever seemed to get offended by it because he, again, was a, was an alpha. He, yep. you know, Kripke won most of the time, you know, until the bitter end when he, he doesn't get a, he doesn't get a Nobel. He does, however, step in to make sure the bad guys don't, the really bad guys yeah. don't get a Nobel. Yeah. And I, uh, so it was it was a really interesting character to play. Oh, they, um they wrote him I, I had such a seen, dick. He was great. Yeah. They <laughs> he really was great. I mean, they, you come they, in they, and it just tear Leonard a new one when they, it was like, heard you ran twenty thousand stuff with no with no usable data. Congratulations. It was like, who does uh, that at work? <laughs> so obnoxious. There, in, in the very first episode, he has a line where Kunal set me up with something which was oh, I asked where Howard was i asked yeah. where wallowitz was he goes uh, he's, he's depressed because he's sad and creepy and can't get girls <laughs> and they gave me what is kind of the line of the series i, I don't want to give myself too much credit but my line was something to the effect of we're all creepy and pathetic and can't get yeah, girls that's why we fight can't get girls <laughs> and you know i, I don't want to pat myself on the back too much but it's hard to think of a more representative oh, line yeah. for that series nailed it <laughs> <laughs> So you, I'm glad to know that you made it through your career to a point that your parents, that you're able to do all that. They got, a, they got. I'm sure they're very proud of you, especially turning on the TV and there's their their bouncing baby boy sitting there. My mom got to got to see, uh, got to come to a a Big Bang taping. Oh, that's awesome! Which was really fun. Yeah, and got to was around for the first couple of seasons of Speechless. And yeah, I think she she got to realized that all those hours of letting me stay up late and watch sitcoms past my bedtime, you know, might've actually had some dividends. It's pretty hard to prove to your parents that watching Taxi and WKRP yeah. is, is foundational education, but. What's the best WKRP episode in your mind? Well, obviously the Thanksgiving one with oh, the turkeys. God. I still cry. I, I watch that YouTube clip almost every, yeah. around Thanksgiving almost every year. It's, it's amazing too because the other because they simply did not have the budget to show anything like that. So yeah. the entire shot is Les Nesman recounting what he's seeing. So that's always amazing. But there was an episode where somebody blows up the transmitter. Yeah, it's a, it's a terror attack essentially. Somebody blows up the transmitter, and I just remember Les running through the newsroom, heading onto the air. He thinks he's going to go on the air, even though the transmitter's blown up. And they go, Les, the, the transmitter's blown up, and he goes. I know it's my lead story and takes <laughs> off. <laughs> Dude, Les Nesman, oh, like her Parlick was great. That guy was so, that, that character was so funny. But Les Nesman, yeah. dude, you know, 
WKRP in the news conference. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it's too much. Oh my God. These are lines the that represent He's constantly walls. injured. He's oh yeah. Constantly, constantly has his finger a splint and they hardly ever mention it. <laughs> but he's like got a bandaid over here or a finger in a splint or like a soft cast on at all <sighs> times. There are so many good bits on that show. We worked with an actress who came on and played a mom on Speechless actress named Kiva Jump, who was Gordon Jump's daughter. Gordon Jump, of course, being the big guy, Carlson. Yeah, the big guy. And she she said that it was always sort of bittersweet. She had lost her father, obviously. Gordon Jump is no longer with us. Right. She said it was always kind of bittersweet around Thanksgiving because the memes of her dad coming in with the greatest blow of any sitcom episode of all time, as God is my witness, I thought true could fly by the way if you don't know what we're talking about if you're if you're if you're a youngster watching the show wkrp thanksgiving on youtube will get just, you just where you need to go and you'll and it is it's a it's a struggling radio station in cincinnati and they're about to do a top secret promotion that nobody knows about and it goes horrifically horrifically wrong and it is the last five minutes of that episode are some of the greatest five minutes in the history of television comedy. Yeah, uh, easy. No one would disagree with me on yeah, this. Easily. It's not controversial. It's amazing. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're we're 45 minutes in. I know you got to cook dinner for your kids. I got to do the same thing. John, thank you so much for coming out and hanging out, dude. Is This has been a pleasure. Bless. And we're back. That's right. We are back. Back in the saddle again. Well, <laughs> I hope you guys really, really enjoyed that as much as we did making it for you. And if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, you got to go check out spoilerverse.com because at spoilerverse.com, we have a plethora. Plethora is such a, it's such a snobbish word. <laughs> I like it though. <laughs> It's, it's a good word. <laughs> we have an obscene amount of oh, interviews obscene. with amazing directors and artists of all walks of life and editors and writers. And, oh, my God, are you a lover of comic books like we are? And then there's so many, so many amazing people from the comic book world over at Spoilerverse.com. And I highly implore you to go there and check it out. Yeah, and while you're there, you can check out all the other podcasts on our network, like Bridges and Geekdoms and Funny Book Forensics and Haphazard Adventures and Nerds from the Crypt and so many more. Misery Point Radio. episodes all the time. Misery Point Radio has got a ton of great stuff out there. Go check all of them out. And check out all of the reviews and previews and articles we have going up every single day for you. Every day on Swillivers.com for you to check out, to read, and to love, and to like, and to comment. We have a store link. You want to help support the site? You can do it two ways. One, go to our Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash country. Or go to our store link in the middle of the site there and get a t-shirt, a face mask, a hoodie, something. Look fly as hell and help support the site when you do that because we get a dollar or two. And, you know, maybe you want to talk to us. If you do, you can do it you know, obviously on all the socials. But if you go to scpod.us slash discord, you can join our public discord server and come chat with us all day long. I couldn't say it better myself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You just mouthed out a ton of information at once. And really, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy what you're hearing because we're, we're working our butts off to bring it to you. We are. We are. I guess there's only one left thing. One left thing? Yeah. I'm going to go with it. There's only one left thing left to do. What's that? In an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do. Open the mind. And... Even more.